Hey guys, and welcome to episode six of the Baffle Days podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Watts, and today I'm talking to a complete crusher of a climber, Leah Dempsey. Her story is one of finding her own path through climbing, and she's inspired me with her ability to back herself to get on the roots and boulders she wants to, and to execute them with a stubbornness and determination that allows her to get them done. She's climbed grade 32 and bouldered V12 and continues to push herself to be the best climber she can be on her terms. We talk about her journey through climbing so far, strategies she uses to get the most out of herself physically and mentally, and touch on what it's like to be a girl at the cliff. So let's get into it. Today on the show, we've got Leah Dempsey, pretty new to the mountains. How are you going, Leah? Good. Thanks for having me. How are you? <laughs> pretty good. Cool. Sore skin from a bit of a training session. Yeah, me Pouring too. with rain in the mountains today. That time of year. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to today? Uh, well, as you know, it's pretty bad weather the last week or so. So a bit of training, a uh, bit of, yeah, just had some fun today in the gym. Didn't do anything too crazy pretty busy there so it's a bit hard to train when it's that crazy but yeah yeah, it was fun. So where do you train mostly in the mountains? Yeah so I have just started going to the BBC or the Bolo, a bit of Camp Street in Katoomba as well. Um, Yeah. And are you pretty structured with your training? Um, I've been trying to be a bit more lately especially during the summer season just because as you know, it's pretty hard to climb outside at the moment. So I've been trying to focus a bit more on my power endurance and did a bit of strength training earlier on in the season, but now kind of just trying to get that endurance to back up the strength. It's pretty interesting. We had Jake Bresnahan on the show recently mm. talking about his training. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite podcasts so far, I have to yeah, say. Yeah, it was awesome. Mm. Um, and been talking to a few climbers about you. And the one one thing that Jake obviously was talking about in his podcast was about consistency. Mm-hmm. And that's how people describe you as someone okay. that, <laughs> that they feel has trained really consistently. Yeah. Probably since you injured yourself in the mountains. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely a bit of a wake up call that training is pretty important and you've got to be pretty focused with your training. Um, I think before that I just kind of floundered around and did some fun climbs and thought I was training but yeah I definitely learned you've got to be very consistent and even if something is pretty hard and you can't do it if you just keep trying it it's only a matter of time before you can get stronger and progress so yeah. So I guess some background on Leah so um, you've been climbing for Uh, About five and a half years now, I think, yeah. And tell me a little bit about your progress through route climbing before you moved to the mountains and since Mm -hmm. you've been in the mountains. Yeah, um, when I first started climbing, I guess, I didn't really, well, I never climbed outside, probably until like a year and a half in. Um, I used to go to Urban Climb in Brisbane and there's a really good community up there, you know, some really cool people. Um, but yeah, like it wasn't until I really started bouldering, you know, you've got to go on by yourself and boulder. So you kind of got to talk to people and make new friends. So I made some new friends and they were really awesome and they took me outdoors. And from there I kind of, yeah, I guess I started progressing a bit with the outdoor climbing and yeah, I don't know. I I was pretty scared at first, to be honest. I'd be proud if I did like two climbs in a day. Scared Um, of falling off? Scared of falling, yep. (laughs) Very scared. Um, so that was definitely a bit of a hurdle for me. 
And so I guess to make it a bit more tangible for people listening, what grade had you climbed when you moved from Brisbane? And yeah. Then what um, have you climbed now? I think I'd done maybe two 26s when I first moved here. I did – my first 26 was a climb called Screaming Insanity at Coolum. Pretty <laughs> classic, probably first 26 for a lot of people. Um, and then I did a bit of climbing at the pulpit, which is a bit more of a, I guess, private crag, which I was lucky to climb at. But there's a really good 26 there, which, um, which I did. So not like a whole heap of <laughs> climbing, to be honest. But yeah, nothing too crazy. So you're living in Brisbane and you've climbed two 26s. You've yeah. got a great community of people you're climbing with. Mm-hmm. How the heck do you end up moving to the Blue Mountains? Yeah. <laughs> Not such a good idea when I think in retrospect, but uh, yeah, um, I think I just had a really good group of people that I guess they believed in me and yeah, they kind of, they pushed me to kind of, I guess, explore those possibilities with climbing. And I remember on that trip, um, one of my good friends, Jess, Jess Clobardine, she was like, oh man, Leah, like, you know you got to move here. Like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, what's, what's in your way kind of thing. And I thought she's right. Like I've just, I've got to do it. There's nothing stopping me, you know, like I'm not studying at the moment and I'm just working and I can do that anywhere. And yeah, like I guess deep down, like I was really curious about what I could do with climbing. And I think I was really grateful to have those people to push me and yeah, because if you, if I didn't have those people, I probably just would have stayed there and just kind of teetered along and probably would have just kept bouldering in the gym. And yeah, I don't know. I think it was the, the lifestyle of here which really made me gravitate towards it more than anything in the outdoors and yeah. Yeah, because in Blackheath, you're five minutes from a climbing area. Yeah, it was super, super spoiled. Mm. Yeah. So the move down was pretty cruisy. Um, I was pretty lucky like it was pretty uneventful in terms of you know I had a house lined up and I was lucky to get a job pretty fast and met the man of your dreams straight away yeah. <laughs> he, he's all right yeah <laughs> I met him too and you know like it was spring when I moved down and it was just like perfect conditions and it was just like yeah like it was awesome you know in my head I was like you made the right decision and I think I only planned to stay for maybe six months or so and then yeah, I'm still here like almost four years later. And then you've moved to the mountains, still a bit scared of falling. Yep. Well, I guess falling's a pretty big thing for people. Yeah. know that um, for me at different times in my life that has definitely held me back. Mm-hmm. So are there any particular things you do to try and overcome that or you have done to overcome it? Um, I think – I don't know if I've found a recipe, but I think when I – and familiarizing with a climb, I've got to kind of give in a little bit and just be a bit kinder to myself. And maybe, you know, you might grab a stick clip and <laughs> stick clip the drawer on top and kind of be familiar. And then when you're red pointing, you kind of just forget about that fear. And I don't know, something else takes over and you just really, really want to do a climb that you psyched on. And you're kind of climbing for a different reason, you know, when you get to that stage where you just kind of, you're f- so focused that you're not even scared. And I think just doing that has really helped me a lot with mm. my with my fear. It's an interesting one because I think if you could, it'd be fantastic for people if there was a recipe. Yeah, I'd, I'd buy that recipe, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so I guess if you tried to break it down, would you think that it's, you know, you're focusing on the handholds and the footholds and the movement mm. rather than what's happening 
from yeah i think that's it like with climbing the beauty of it is that you do have to focus so much but i mean i guess you only get that focus maybe when you're climbing at your limit and trying really really hard like if you're climbing something really easy you kind of it's easy to get distracted and think about you know all these other things happening but when you're trying to red point like you've just got no time or mental energy to think about fear Hmm. so is there a particular route that you think you overcame that on more than Um, something else I remember there's a climb at Gateway there's a 28 called Gateway down there and I remember it was my first at the grade so you know for me 28 was a pretty cool grade to climb you know like it something about it, something really magical about climbing 28. Um, And yeah, like I could do all the moves and I wasn't super pumped when I got to a particular section, but there's one section where you're not going to hit the ground, but in my head I thought I was going to hit the ground and (laughs) I'd take every single time at that bolt before that section and then one day I just got really angry at myself, you know. I was like, why aren't I just doing this climb? Like why don't I just do it? And I just got pretty annoyed and then I just thought no this time I'm just going to do the climb and I wasn't scared I was just mad (laughs) and I did the (laughs) climb first shot off to that and then I thought you know I just I can't live in fear to not do things and yeah that definitely stuck with me I guess. Mm. Mm. So would you say that that was the beginning of you starting to climb to your potential? Yeah definitely I think that was definitely a milestone for me Um, yeah I guess it's a really good I don't know, for me it was a mental barrier climbing 28. I remember thinking, mm. oh, you know, it'd be awesome to climb 28 one day. And I think I'd only done like maybe two 27s before that. Like I did, I think wrong movements, maybe a few months before that and onions at Baronia. And yeah, like I felt like those came relatively easy. So I knew that I could push myself harder, but it was just frustrating kind of climbing and you know that you can do better and you kind of realise that, your head's the only thing in the way and mm. yeah like so breaking through that was definitely I guess a, a landmark for me yeah with my climbing and after that actually that's when I hurt my shoulder so it kind of <laughs> paused things a little bit yeah yeah so tell us a little bit about the injury yeah um so when I was I was trying a route at Baronia um in the, the common Mountains, start yep. yeah in the Blue Mountains and it's the bottom boulder for pretty much a selection of climbs so it's mandatory climbing bit of a wide move I think it was snowing that day so I think I was unfortunate in that some snow probably got under my shoe and went to a hold foot popped I'm in like an awkward iron cross position and my shoulder kind of semi popped out and ended up with a pretty bad labral tear and yeah that put me out for a, a couple of months. Did it make you hungrier to climb more? Yeah, it was pretty annoying. It was August, I think, like mm. when it was pretty good conditions and I was psyched to go to Nara. I'd never been to Nara and it was one of my first real winters in the mountains as well. So, oh, so I was hungry for it. Yeah, but <laughs> good conditions are here. Yeah. 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 And were you trying at your first, you were trying to do your first 29? No, I was trying to red point green eggs and ham. Yeah, okay. Yeah, which yep. is a pretty pumpy, traversy climb. And, mm. you know, I was like, you know, this shot, it's going to go and felt mentally ready. And you have that magical feeling that you usually have mm. before you send something. And you're like, oh, this is the shot. But, yeah, unfortunately not. <laughs> <laughs> and so how long were you out for? And what did you do to try and look after the injury? Yeah, I think I was out for about, probably about three months of not doing anything. Like I couldn't... 
I couldn't hang on my arm for about two months. So no fingerboarding, nothing like that. Um, so I did a lot of bit of running, bit of hiking. And I think I bought a camera at the time and walked around taking photos of trees and stuff. <laughs> um, and was, and then, was that when your love affair with push-ups started as well? Yeah, my so-called love affair. Um, <laughs> I did those. Yeah, that's how I, I guess, got back into my training. I did some push-up stuff, which was pretty bad for me. I was pretty terrible at push-ups. I think <laughs> I did maybe one push-up. That was my max on my knees at the time. <laughs> and then I did some like supermans on the Swiss balls and things like that and really focused on my core. That was, I think, a really big thing for me to focus on, which helped me a lot. Yeah. Mm. And post-injury, so has your approach to your training changed? Um, yeah, like I definitely started actually maybe adding a bit more structure to my training and yeah, it made me thirsty to get stronger and to kind of, yeah, flip those weaknesses and turn them into these strengths and yeah, definitely. So tell me what a week of training would look like. Um, Monday, Tuesdays are usually our outdoor climbing days. So we usually climb on Monday, Tuesdays, maybe do a training session on a Tuesday after, maybe kind of just burn off some residual gas, like just do some four by fours or something like that. Depends how hard, you know, we climb during the day. Um, maybe I'll do on the Wednesday, I might do some strength training. So some weighted pull-ups, um, some offset pull-ups, some assisted pull-ups with a TheraBand, kind of doing some one-arm pull-up training and yeah, a rest day in the mix. And then Friday, maybe a campus and then a bit more of a power endurance session. So some four by four type stuff yeah, and TRX steps. And so tell us where your climbing is now. Yeah, um, I guess, yeah, like I was, I just started climbing a bit harder, I guess, in the last few years. Um, I did my first 32 like a year ago, I think now, a year and a half ago, which was, yeah, pretty proud moment for me. Um, so tell us about the route. Yeah. So it's it, a bit of a mountains classic, really. Yeah, it's called Better Than Life down at Centennial Glen. Um, it's a pretty fingery, bouldery line, some pretty nasty holds on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. There was just something about it which just allured me in and... Yeah, I think because I knew it was going to be really hard mm. and that's what kind of gets me psyched when choosing projects. So was it a jump from 28 to 32? No, so I did a climb called August also on the same wall, August 1914. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it well. Yeah, <laughs> pretty stout line, pretty powerful, bouldery climb. Um, I remember the first time I got on it, it was just went terribly, like I couldn't mm. touch anything. Um, it just, yeah, if you want to feel like, you know, you've got nothing, no, no power, that was a climb to get no on No ability me. to do wide moves. Exactly. Yeah. So I tried that, went terribly. Um, and then I thought, you know, like I've just got to keep trying it and kind of test myself. So I just kept trying it and trying it and, you know, you find your own beta. And I think that's the thing. I just wasn't opening my mind to how my body might fit well with the climb mm. and, yeah, like I was stoked to do it. So I did that climb and then a little while later, I think I did my first 30 at Nara called Cheese Monster, which was is a really, really cool line. It down, is a very um, cool line. Yeah, Cheesedale. Yep. Pretty pumpy climb, mm. really slopey holds, not really good rests. Um, so I did that climb and then, yeah, I jumped to um, Better Than Life, I guess, which was a bit of a skip in the grade. Yeah, and 
what was the process like? Um, I, I think I got on it maybe towards the tail end of summer, which is not a good choice. Oh, that's <laughs> fantastic <laughs> for tiny, slopey, yeah. condition-dependent holds. Exactly. But that kind of, I guess, trickles in with my stubbornness thinking, no, it's fine. Like, <laughs> who cares? So I got on it and, you know, like could barely do any of the moves. Like, yeah, in retrospect, like I think I did like maybe two or three moves, you know, like yeah. the first two bolts of the climb. Um but yeah, like I don't and, know. I and just, the crux is at the the crux is yeah at the, the fourth or fifth bolt. Third to the fourth bolt, yeah. I think. Yeah. So it didn't go super well, but I think because I was I remember trying it and maybe someone making not a snide comment, but maybe questioning me being on the climb, and it kind of made me feel a bit more motivated, to be honest. So I was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm just going to do it, prove you wrong. So, which maybe isn't the right reason to do something, but. Yeah, like it just made me really psyched to kind of prove it to myself more than anything that mm. if you just kind of keep at something and work with your own strengths and yeah, like I did have to train for it as well. I had to do some fingerboarding and um, really strengthen my shoulders for it. But yeah, it took me maybe I think a couple of months to do the climb, yeah. maybe about two and a half, three months Yeah. of yeah. With some specific tr- uh, fingerboarding in place to try and get your fingers stronger for yeah. it. Yeah. The crux holds are these really small pockets, which you can't really get your fingers and you're kind of almost like bird beak crimping them just on the outside of the lip. So I kind of, I really wanted to have some residual strength for those holds because it's pretty notorious for injuring people mm. in those holds. So I'd only have about two shots in a session on that climb just because I really didn't want to hurt myself again. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I, I did some fingerboarding a couple of times a week on really small shallow pockets yeah um and just like some basic strength stuff so just going back to the campus board and weighted pull-ups and things like that yeah so you kind of tried to simulate the route in a way yeah Yeah. in a way yeah Yeah. for me um yeah like I think I just found it really mentally really hard to approach so I think I just needed to try the climb over and over Mm. yeah so it was a process of breaking it down I know that, you know, for all of us when we get on something hard or if you try and do a first ascent, like a lot mm. of the people we know have done a lot of first ascents. Yep. <laughs> and so I guess when you approach that route, it feels like this massive project, even yeah. though it's 12 metres long or something. And it's like, such yeah, it's such a short climb, but there's just, mm. for me anyway, is like so many hard moves, like none of the moves are easy. Like it's all super hard climbing and I could fall off any of the moves. So I think that really like it's stressful you know like when you're on a climb and it's really hard and like it doesn't feel nice like your fingers kind of hurt and it's just like feel like you couldn't breathe the whole time and yeah like I think it was just um I guess yeah mentally more than anything like it's definitely not an endurance climb or anything um and yeah like I think I had to find my own way to do it as well which was kind of hard because the way that most people do it just it didn't really work for me so it was kind of tricky coming up with my own beta and you know like is it feasible like will it even work and Mm. I think that's one thing that I've really noticed having climbed with you because I got on better than life I don't know how many years ago let's say 15 years ago and Mm. I don't think any girls had been on it at that stage yeah and I thought well the boys say I've got strong fingers Mm. maybe I would be able to do it but I literally got on it once yeah tried the boys beta it didn't work I couldn't clip the drawer the way they clipped it (laughs) And so I just wrote it off as me not being strong enough at that point in time to do it. Yeah. And I think it's been very cool watching your approach to boulders and climbs mm-hmm. 
and seeing that you, um, I think, to take it into bouldering because you've bouldered some hard problems as well. Mm-hmm. So watching you in the Grampians on a problem in Hollow Mountain Cave called Extreme Cool, which isn't yeah. the hardest problem in the world, but mm. when you're a little bit shorter, the wide spans yeah. on it are quite hard. Yeah. And you seem to just approach it, walk up to it and and say to yourself, no, I'm going to do this problem today. Mm-hmm. And completely discounted any beta that you'd ever seen before tried it but if it didn't work you just came up with your own sequence yeah I think that's the thing you've kind of got to be okay with maybe not caring about the grade so much um you know like because I've v9 you know I've done a few v9s so I'm you know like on paper you're kind of thinking oh I should be able to do it it's a v9 you know I've done other v9s before but it's humbling to kind of just put that to the back of your mind and be okay with projecting something just for what it is and not caring about, I don't know, how hard it is or how other people do it. And yeah, I don't know. I I find that really exciting, I think, when you find beta, which no one else has tried. And yeah, it's just a really, yeah, like enjoying process, okay. Yeah. Mm. So talk to me a little bit about your bouldering because you've bouldered V12. Mm -hmm. So you've climbed 32, bouldered V12. Yep. Are you a boulder or are you a climber? <laughs> um, oh, I think that at heart I'm probably a sport climber, um, but I love I love bouldering. I think bouldering is really important to do. Have maybe dedicate some time to that a couple times throughout your climbing. I think you gain a lot from it. Mm. Um, yeah, I think for me bouldering is more of like a fun, like it's kind of like it's easier to approach. You don't need anyone else there and you just need a pad and it's so much easier to just try moves. You don't have to worry about boinking up or whatever. So I find it, I guess, mentally easier to boulder than it is to sport climb, Um, which is why I probably enjoy maybe secondary fun, (laughs) more so with sport climbing after you do a climb. It's kind of that like challenge is there more so than with bouldering. So what do you think bouldering has taught you that you can bring to your sport climbing yeah I think one of the main things is just I guess going back to that trying hard and yeah like being okay with having to exert everything in that moment and accepting that it's just going to feel really hard you know like I think it's easy to kind of especially in sport climbing try and make everything really efficient and find the easiest way to do a move but I think in bouldering you kind of you have to try really hard which is why I think it's super important for every climber to kind of have a stint of bouldering because you can't really learn that sometimes in sport climbing it's easy just to kind of try and yeah like get into that routine of oh it's got to feel easy and I've got to be able to do it on link and in bouldering it's just like every single move you feel like you're just going to fall off and it feels sometimes really horrible but you just got to be okay with that feeling I think. Yeah, I think it's easy for people to watch hard routes get done and hard boulders get done. Mm. And when they're actually getting ticked, they look quite effortless. Yeah. Um, and I know I've spoken to Tom about how he feels when he's doing a route and he's, I think he's talked about, you know, if maxed out is 10 out of 10 and you're coming off, mm-hmm. like he's he's at a 9 or an 8 out of 10 on yeah. crux moves and he doesn't think he needs to be at a five out of 10 to get mm-hmm. through a crux. Yeah. So is that how you'd describe it? Yeah. Like I think you've just kind of, I guess it, it teaches you how to read 
I guess, climbs and yourself and when to unleash and when it's okay to unleash. And I think it goes vice versa with bouldering as well. Like it teaches you that strategy with approaching, you know, any kind of a climb. But I think in particular bouldering, it kind of, yeah, it just gives you that that mindset which you can't tap into with sport climbing sometimes, you know. Like I just don't think you can get that without bouldering. Yeah. yeah. And do you practice that in your training? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you can, if like the session that you had at the bolo today, you know, mm-hmm. it's raining, there's lots of us in there. Yeah. And you can get on a problem and be having a bad day mm-hmm. and just not be able to tap into that uh, mental try hard part. Yeah. Or you can pull on the next day and suddenly you can just squeeze that little bit harder. So yeah. is that something you practice? Yeah. Like I think some, you know, sometimes when you aren't feeling it, it's probably your body telling you maybe you're a bit fatigued and you probably shouldn't push it. Um, you know, so on those days I'll probably do a bit more like endurance-based stuff or some core. But, you know, if I know that I'm recovered and there's no reason that I can't try hard, I definitely try to channel that, I guess, that try hard because if you don't do it, it's kind of like anything. Practice makes perfect. If you don't do it when you're training, then how can you do it all of a sudden when you're outside on your project? Yeah, yep. So try really, really hard. Yes, try very, very hard <laughs> until you fart. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you've talked to me in the past about a problem down in Sydney called Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the V grade of that? Um, that's a V12. V12? Yeah. Depends who you ask, but I think consensus is it's V12, yeah. Yep. And uh, Matt was your spotter on the day, your partner. Yeah. And he was kind of a bit oblivious to the fact the sand was going down. Yeah, <laughs> he was. <laughs> I think, yeah, like I don't think he was watching me at that point in time. I think I'd made it through the hard parts and um, I was making my way around the lip and I think he thought that I just pulled on and he didn't realise. And then I got to the top and he was like, oh, you did the thing. Um, but yeah, that was definitely, for me, a boulder, which kind of reiterated the fact that I need to try hard because prior to that, prior to pulling on, I thought this is, I, there's no way that I can do this climb. It just, every move is like 110% maxed out for me. Like, how can I possibly do this climb? Um, but yeah, like I just, I was like, no. Nope. I can do all the moves and it's a boulder. There's no reason why I can't do it. It's short, you know, so I just didn't really give myself an option. I guess I just kind of, I made myself do it and I wasn't going to leave until I did it. It's a tricky one to articulate, but so does that, you know, every move that you're on, are you consciously thinking try hard? Are you thinking squeeze? Like what's going through your head? Everything's like tight you know like your toes your head are tight like your neck muscles are tight you know like everything feels horrendous (laughs) but um yeah like that's what it takes and I think that's why it's really important to channel that into your training because if you can't do that like how are you going to approach a climb like that and yeah like I think it is easy to look at climbers and think oh they did that so easy but they're trying so hard you know Mm. like and it looks easy because of how hard they're trying and yeah, I think it's that's the secret to it, really. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think one of the things for me, having been um, a Blue Mountains climber for over 20 years now, uh, it's been interesting watching you kind of sit slightly outside of the middle of the scene, I suppose. Do you think that's been helpful 
like not – you haven't been at the cliff with 20 people that are all on the same route or comparing beta or at Hollow Mountain Cave with a massive group of people, mm. for example. Yeah. Do you think that's helped? Definitely, yeah. Um, I think for me, like I'm – well, for most people, I think you're so influenced by the people around you. Like you can kind of get self-conscious about wanting to try certain things as well, you know, like – is that person going to think I'm silly for trying this or yada, yada, yada. And yeah, I think it's definitely worked in my favor, kind of having my own journey with it and not having as much maybe chatter in my head or, you know, thinking that people are thinking something about me trying something. And yeah, I think it's, it helps you focus a bit more and you just do it for you and you don't do it to kind of impress other people and everything that comes with that pressure. Or hold yourself back from getting on yeah. something just in case. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's really good having people that encourage you to try harder things and obviously it needs to be kind of realistic but someone mm. that knows you really well, that cares about you and you can feel like they genuinely support you. I think that's really important and mm. I think if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't have climbed the things that I've climbed, definitely. So tell us about your climbing partners then. My climbing partners. <laughs> I, your climbing partner. <laughs> I usually climb with my boyfriend, Matt Norgrove. Uh, most of the time it works out in our favour with our days off. And um, yeah, which is which is handy, you know, like you know each other well and you know when the other person's feeling a certain way. So that helps a lot. Um, but yeah, I like climb with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I don't, to be honest, I don't climb with heaps of different people. I think... Sometimes it can be stressful when you don't really, for example, know how that person belays, like they yeah. catch you or when, you know, you can tell when when someone's ticking over in their head when you know them really well and you just kind of need that bit of encouragement and sometimes that's like make or break, like for someone mm. to say, you know, I've got you, you know, you can do it or whatever. Like I think that's really important to feel like someone actually cares about you on the climb and... Yeah. I think the consistency of the same people climbing with you also, like if it's your partner and you mm. you can talk about your plan and approach for the climb on yeah. the way into the cliff. Totally, exactly. You get the rhythm and I think for me like I really need that routine. Like I want to go in and not faff around. You know, you do warm up. You know what your partner's going to warm up on and there's no, you know, complicated conversation about what you're going to do. You just go, go, go and it's just easy logistically. Mm. Mm. So um, tell me about your favourite boulder problem. Oh, that's a tough Is one. Is your favourite the hardest? Um, I mean, Sleepy Hollow was really fun. So Sleepy um, Hollow is a V12 yeah, in Hollow Mountain Cave. Hollow Mountain Cave, yeah. Um, it's one of the longer boulders, I guess, of the wheel, which is what really attracted me to it. Like it's just a really cool looking line and, you know, there's so many cool photos of it and it just it's like this golden, you know, like rail of holds which just looks awesome and it's quite long like um you know you've got to be really switched on the whole time and I think the first few times I tried it like I just couldn't touch the crux I couldn't match the flake which is very core intensive and I think I just didn't have the strength for it at the time so I really enjoyed that I had to work for it and it was something which really inspired me and yeah like that was a really special moment for me I think so when climb. you get on a problem like Sleepy Hollow, I mean, for some people that, you know, you watch them on a boulder problem or a climb and they get shut down by a move and they go, oh, well, it's too mm. hard for me. So for you, is the process 
I can't touch that move. I'm going home to train to be able to touch that move and I'm going to come back here in a month. I usually use that move as training. Like I'll give it my all. Like I'm very stubborn with everything. (laughs) So I, yeah, like I, I can't handle like not giving it my all. Like I'll find a way to do it if I can. Like obviously like strength and training does come into it, but I think when you've done enough training in the lead up to a trip, you kind of know like your boundaries and limits with your body. So I think I'm realistic. Like I know when I should be able to do a move. So I know, is it my head? Like, is it a movement thing? Like, is it me not being strong enough? That's when I'll keep trying it. If I know that I have it there, I've just got to unlock it. But if I know it's something and, you know, I I know I've actually got to train for that move, I'll kind of leave it and just try the other moves or a different boulder. Yeah. Have you come across any problems that have shut you down completely? Um, Or any roots? There is, I guess, another boulder at Holy Mountain Cave, Dead Can't Dance, which um, I tried with you last time on our girls' trip, which was super fun. Um, The famous Gaston move up to that pocket, that's something which shuts me down. And, yeah, it motivates me. Like, you know, I've got to train my lock-off strength and so many other things, and that gets me really psyched. It's interesting. I was talking to Tom O'Halloran, who's the other half of Baffle Days, about that problem. And um, telling him that we were both quite excited that we could get our fingers to the pocket of the Gaston Yeah, move. we can move from it. <laughs> and he told me that it's coming into that pocket. That's <laughs> the hardest Damn. part of <laughs> so, Oh, well. We'll cross that bridge when it comes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be glad if I could get to the pocket and struggle on that move. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that move will actually be easier for us. Maybe. I mean, I guess if you're a bit smaller, maybe it's easier. Yeah. <laughs> let's just, let's decide let's that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So how long did um, Sleepy Hollow take you? Um, I tried it maybe like had two days on it on my first trip, but I kind of was cycling between that and Cave Girl. To be honest, Cave Girl, I didn't love the process of that climb, but mm. I felt like I had to do it. So I kept trying Cave Girl and then I'd be like, oh, this is sharp and it's What hard. didn't you like about Cave Girl? Oh, I, I, I don't know. I think to be honest, the sharpness, that mm. was definitely... It's incredibly sharp. It's super, super sharp. And that pocket that you've got to come into just... And it really dynamic, big moves into sharp exactly. holds with tiny feet. Exactly. In a you're roof. Just skating off everywhere and your core's getting a workout. So that kind of, yeah, like I, the moves felt kind of yucky. So I'd be like, oh, stuff it. I'm just going to try Sleepy Hollow. So I'd get on that kind of tired from trying Cave Girl. Um, so I had about two days on that, on that session. And then I came back the next session after doing lots of training. And I think I did it maybe on my third session, so about probably like five or six sessions it took me. So it was over two trips? Yeah, two trips. It's always a bit stressful when you're doing a trip because, you know, it's so far to drive back to do it. So, yeah, I think I did it maybe a week into a two-week trip, Mm. which was nice to not have that pressure. Yeah, I can understand that because I tried Sleepy Hollow with you um, in November last year Mm. and – Definitely the goal is if if we have access to the Grampians um, is to have trained enough to be able to do it like second day of the next trip. I think there's an art to sending things when you're on a holiday. Yeah, definitely. When it's a 12-hour drive away from the Blue Mountains. Exactly, which isn't that far, but it's still quite a distance. And 
a lot of yeah like weight on your shoulders you know like so do you find it easier because you've done some hard boulders in Sydney as well have you found it easier the um I guess the approach to boulders down there compared to projecting something in the Grampians it's funny I think I actually I'm one of those people for example at university when I studied I would always do my assignments the night before just because I felt like I performed better like the last minute yeah (laughs) I'd get up at like 2am in the morning that the assignment was due at 9am and I would do the assignment just because I needed that stress. So I think ironically, sometimes I perform better when I'm on a trip just because I need that push. Yeah. Um, like there's a climb at Forex in the Blue Mountains called Myology, which I did. And that took me a long time to do. And that's really, really close to home. Like it's super easy to get to. But Seven minute drive from Blackheath. Yeah, so close. It's like a five minute walk in. But that took me a long time to do. Um, I think because I just didn't put the stress on myself and the pressure to just go and do it. Like you just, it's easy to let time go by. And you're like, oh, like it's like a two minute drive and it's like a five minute walk in. I'll get around to doing it. I think when that's taken away, you just kind of perform because you have to. Mm, yeah, mm. that's true. Um, and so what's next in the Grampians, if we can go to the Grampians? Yeah. I mean, I love to get back on Dead Can't Dance. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that would be the last boulder on the wheel, which would be like a really cool thing to do. Not the wheel because <laughs> that's definitely miles ahead, but just to be able to do those boulders would be really, really cool. Considering you've done Extreme Cool, first problem with the wheel, mm-hmm. Sleepy Hollow, Second problem of the wheel. You've done Cave Girl, third problem of the wheel. Yeah. Um, and there's sort of just the just the hard bit. <laughs> just the hardest part. <laughs> just the crux. <laughs> but do you think that the wheel is something you'd you'd like to do? I think if I had if I knew I had time to do it, like I guess there's no reason that I couldn't go down and try it. I think um it's definitely like a next level for me like I'd have to work pretty hard to even climb link two of those boulders together like I guess you know like that could be on the next on the list is to link the boulders together but to do more than two I think would be really taking it a step further which you know who knows one day like maybe I'll be living closer to there and it's something that I could approach but for now probably not realistic I'm just yeah thinking maybe but it's definitely not off the cards yeah are you pretty ambitious with your climbing do you think um yeah I think when I find a project or a climb which I really really want to do um yeah like I'm pretty ambitious like when I'm training that's all I think about I visualize the climb and yeah kind of get that fire burning and I really like having a climb which you know is on the cards and just kind of applying myself and the challenge of just doing something because you put in the hard work I really like that so I guess what's the big dream for your climbing? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I haven't thought that far ahead, I guess. But just, yeah, I feel like, you know, grades are always a good indicator, but it'd be really cool to, you know, climb a 33 one day. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, in terms of grades, I guess, yeah, just to push them. But I think it's hard to know until you kind of, have that opportunity to push your limit a bit more. I feel like I haven't really done that yet. So, yeah, I don't really know, to be honest. It's interesting because I've been climbing for 20-odd years Mm. and this year is the first time I've thought about my climbing 
from a long-term point of view. Mm. I think in my 20s it was definitely looking at, okay, we've got a trip coming up in six months. I'll, ta- I'll make my training work for that trip. Mm. Or, um, yeah, okay, we're going to go overseas. Which route would I like to do there? And I think if there was any advice I could give to anyone younger than me, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it would be to, if you want to, have like a look at a five-year view to your climbing, mm-hmm. have a two-year view, have a one-year view, because I think um, otherwise you can miss a window of talent that mm. that you've got. And so I guess um, with that in mind, like, would you like to try and push it to the next level for women in Australia? I mean, that'd be pretty cool thing. And uh, yeah, I'd be psyched if I had the opportunity to, I guess, push the limits a bit more. I think it's pretty intimidating. Um which, you know, it's silly. You shouldn't let people's thoughts dictate what you do. But, yeah, like it's a pretty big thing to approach and I Do you mean know. to sort of it's intimidating to put your hand up and go, oh, I want to be yeah. somebody that is or to, to name yourself as someone that could? Yeah, like it's kind of like, you know, you're kind of saying like, oh, I think that I'm <laughs> good enough to do it. And it's silly that you should feel awkward about believing that. But I think, yeah, you, I don't know. Maybe after some training, maybe I'll feel a bit more worthy of thinking that. But I think there's so many other talented females up here that are capable of that as well. But, you know, like it is a cool thing to strive for, I guess, in Australia especially. You know, there's not as many women climbing here still. And I think it's definitely something that we should be pushing a bit more and I guess inspiring more women to push it to the next level. Yeah, and I think also probably trying to... Um, I think if we try and think about it more um, in terms of what do I need to do to take climbing to the next level mm. instead of who do I need to be yeah, or um, totally. am I good enough to be? Yeah. Because if you look, I think Jake Bresnahan's climbing was amazing and so inspiring because he decided to sink his teeth into a project mm-hmm. and work out what he needed to do to be good enough to do that project yeah. instead of spending the time wondering if he was good enough totally. to actually do the training mm-hmm. to do the project. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you should go for it. Oh, I'll try. <laughs> I'll, I need to find a project first, I think. I think that's the other thing. It's it's hard to find that line which you just kind of like, this is the climb which I'm going to potentially spend perhaps years trying, you know, like you've got to really love it. I think it's hard to find those climbs sometimes that just grab you and commit you, I guess, to the line. Mm, bit of a shopping trip needed at the cliffs maybe. Yeah. So how do you decide um, – so Better Than Life, I mean, we talked about Better Than Life, which mm-hmm. sort of I think helps you notice a route. But yeah. how do you decide what your next hard project's going to be? Um, I think I, I've always gravitated towards things which I know are going to be really hard for me. Um like when I try something and, you know, you can do the moves first shot, like you kind of, you get to the top and you're like, oh, that was kind of easy. Like I was hoping it'd be a bit harder. And for me, like, I guess I just, I love when something's hard, like you want to earn it, you know, like I really like earning that feeling at the top when you clip the chains and yeah, you just don't get that from perhaps trying something which is catering towards your strength. So I guess trying things which I'm not very good at, you know, like, I really like climbs that are a bit more burly and bouldery just because it pushes me and always keeps me on my toes. And yeah, I feel like as a girl, sometimes you kind of 
pigeonholed into only climbing certain things. So I don't really like being put in that position, you know, like I like trying mm. things which are hard for boys and girls. Mm, definitely. Mm. Men okay, and women, so we sorry. need a we need a hard route that's got lots of big wide moves. <laughs> Not too wide. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do some shopping this winter. Yeah. Mm. So if you were going to pick a 33 in the mountains now, oh. what do you think you'd pick? I mean, there's lines at Diamond Falls which I'd like to try. Mm-hmm. Um but I tried Tiger Cat a little while ago. That was really cool. Um definitely would be keen to get back to Elphinstone to try that. Um there's a line called Keep On Trucking, which Matt's been trying, my partner, which looks really, really cool. So maybe one day I'd like to try that one as well. Um, Is there anything stopping you from getting on it right now? Uh, maybe more so conditions probably. Yeah, <laughs> um, summer, it's yeah, hot. Yeah, it's been really hot, but I tried Proof Raider a little while ago and which that is was a, pretty fun. It's a 31, 31 yeah, yeah, so it's the start of Keep On Trucking. Um, pretty early crux, um, very conditions dependent with those holes but yeah I think just something which is yeah really challenging and I really like having to commit my mind to it and just yeah it's engaging and I love that. Do you feel like you need to change a whole group of things about your training to do something like Tiger Cat or keep on trucking? Um, I think to be honest I just need to dedicate my time for it and be committed and sucker it up even if conditions aren't perfect and just get on the climbs I think it's really easy for me to kind of I don't know like when it's too cold or if it's not perfect humidity like it's easy just to kind of be like oh I'll just train and I'll just kind of yeah I'll get back to it when conditions are good I think it's really easy to do that um the exception being right now because it's summer and it's really raining but um (laughs) yeah I think it's kind of scary as well like you know the night before I try a climb, which I think I'm close to, you kind of think about it and you get really nervous and it's not really a nice feeling, feeling that gut-wrenching nerves like when you tie in. and <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's another element where you kind of have to really get over that aspect and it doesn't feel super nice sometimes. Like it's not always enjoyable when you're trying something because, yeah, you've poured your heart and your soul and your training and so much time into it. Like it's it feels like there's so much on the line and it's, it's kind of scary if you never get to succeed on that climb. Mm, the mental side of climbing, I think, is yeah something that we don't train very much. No, yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about the mental side of climbing for you because you've got – I know you studied psychology at uni. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've got 99% of a psychology degree. Yeah, <laughs> still pending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So are there any particular tools that you use? Because I know that I think your approach, you've talked to me about not pushing it when you're having a day where you're just not feeling it. You Mm. don't force yourself to go out. But I think um, the people that achieve a lot in climbing are the ones that have the most hours on rock as well, Mm -hmm. as well as having the talent and the dedication and training. But, you know, you've got to be in it to win it. So what sort of mental things do you apply to your climbing to try and get the most out of yourself? Um, it's a tricky one. I don't know if I'm consciously aware of those things, which I do, but I think you've got to really reflect on why you're feeling a certain way. And I know that when I'm feeling nervous, for example, you know, it's because I really want to do a climb. So I've got to constantly remind myself of that. Or when I'm scared, you know, kind of rationalize it. Like, why are you scared? Just kind of really clarifying my thoughts and feelings. And are they justifiable? Like, 
you know, is it silly for me to feel a certain way or why do I care about what this person thinks? And I guess even realizing that caring about what other people thinks is just silly because they're thinking about their own stuff and just kind of maybe coming a bit more from a place of self-love, I guess, like, you know, just giving yourself what you feel like you deserve and yeah, like, I don't know. I think it's easy to put other people before yourself or in pedestals and I think sometimes you've just got to really own it and just kind of put yourself out there and be a yeah not care about what other people think and that's probably the only thing for me like more than anything self-belief is a humongous thing definitely a massive process I'm going through at the moment yeah it's the biggest thing it is the biggest thing yeah you know you see so many people on a climb and you think if I could just have their brain for one minute Mm -hmm. they could red point that climb you know Mm -hmm. I think that's why we're all yelling at the bottom you know come on you can do it when people are on red point because you can see a lot of the time it's not their arms that are stopping them it's the yeah they're locked off you know (laughs) on a motto or something and yeah you know they can do it yeah yeah so if you were going to give any advice to climbers about how to have more self-belief what would you do because I've watched you you know that Grampians trip um the Grampians bouldering trip that we did I wasn't even sure if I should get on half the problems I got on and I should have been on the problems that I was getting on Mm. you don't seem to have that doubt in yourself yeah I guess not (laughs) When it comes um, to some things, like, you know, yeah. V9, maybe up to V12, yeah. it seems that is, – is there a level in your mind that you think, yes, I can get on that, but at Diamond Falls on that 33 uh, or that 35 that mm-hmm. no one else has done except for a couple of people, one mm-hmm. person, Yeah, I don't think that I'm capable of getting on that or um, – I think deep down, like, I don't know, like, yeah, I guess – maybe even from like a young kid you kind of you know like people can be kind of mean sometimes so you want to feel like you can hold your own and back yourself so I think I just learned how to back myself at a young age and kind of just yeah do things for me because if you don't do it no one else is going to care if you do it or if you don't do it um and just yeah like you've got to be your own cheerleader and you know in my head sometimes well, most of the time I'm talking to myself, I'm saying you can do it, you know, like keep going or whatever. And yeah, like I guess just that self-talk but in a positive way is really important and just focusing on that and just, yeah, like not letting other people kind of dictate what you do. And mm, I think that's quite a good one. We've started um, a little bit of a practice. I've been doing some work with Steve Bechtel. He's been doing a bit of coaching with me and one of the things he gets me to do um is write down my wins for the day at the end of Mm. a climbing day so I think a lot of us will analyze our climbing at the end of the day and Mm -hmm. think about everything we did wrong yeah or what we could have done better and I think it's important to reflect on um you know what why did I fall off that route today how could I have tried harder how could I have made my performance better but then so important to go what were the wins I got out of today totally I think that's why sometimes projecting is really fun because those wins can be really really clear if something's really at your limit as well like if you've done like a move more or you can clip a draw it's like very objective you know like you've improved you Mm. know and you've got to think you know like that's really awesome like I did that or you know on the flip side it's really easy to say oh like I still can't do that next move though like you've just kind of 
yeah, you've got to think about those positive things that you did and there's really no gains and not thinking of it in a positive way. Like it just, there's no positive, positive gains at all, you know, like it's just wasted energy. Do you try and mix up your projecting with some sort of on-siding and easier routes as well? Um, I don't, I don't know so much. I think it's tricky in the mountains. Like once you've done most of the classic stuff, it's kind of, yeah, like it's a bit harder to find things which you haven't climbed before perhaps. Mm. But, um, you know, like in winter we go to Nara and that's always fun because there's always new climbs there for you to try. So I definitely do get on climbs and try and on-site, you know, like the easier grades. I think that is really important. Um, and just for your sanity, sometimes you just need to clip chains and kind of <laughs> feel good about yourself. Um, nope. And even just projecting things which are a little bit easier, I think it's really important to do that as well and be okay with trying things which aren't at your limit. Like sometimes that's really important. Yeah, to get start getting some flow and yeah. some rhythm with your climbing. Exactly. Yeah. So what's next? Hmm, what's next? Well, we have a trip coming up towards the end of the year. Uh, Matt and I are going to the Red River Gorge in the fall there, so October, November. So currently, I guess, doing some more endurance-based training for that trip. And yeah, it's our first time, so pretty psyched to get there and try some of the hardest stuff and see what it's like to climb in another country because I've never done that before so yeah that's interesting so I mean people have got different approaches to climbing overseas Mm. some people like to go and just on site a lot and drop the sort of level they're climbing so they can get a lot of routes done do you want to climb something really hard when you're there or is it about volume um I think a bit of both like for me I would love to see how I perform um maybe somewhere in like it's very similar the style of climbing it seems over there so I think it's a bit more approachable for me anyways to try something a bit harder there it seems like there's a lot of harder things to try so I think I'll really enjoy seeing how I go and what my limits are and having a bit of gauge of where I am and I'd love to try some of the harder lines there just because they look awesome and you just you know you see these videos and you just think oh man like I really want to try that one day like the golden ticket um, golden ticket. That looks pretty cool. Looks that move amazing. looks pretty gnarly though. <laughs> um, kudos to Michaela. That looks really hard, but, uh, that does look cool. Pure imagination looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Southern smoke looks really cool. Heaps of lines look really cool, but yeah, we'll probably spend the first week or so trying to onside and kind of get our flow there and yeah, do a bit of both, I guess. Yeah. Mm. And see where you can take it. Yeah, exactly. You know, who knows? We might go back. We might find a project and there's nothing stopping us from going back, I guess, and trying to, yeah, trying that climb again. So any tips for female climbers in Australia that are trying to push their limit? Yeah, I guess just do it for yourself. Like I remember when I first started climbing, like I felt, I don't know, you just feel kind of awkward and even like going bouldering for the first time by myself I was terrified like (laughs) you go into the gym and you're like I don't know you just feel weird like you kind of feel like the minority almost but I think just kind of turning that into a really positive thing like the world's your oyster because there's so many different options for you you know like you can find your own way to do things and yeah just kind of going for it and just I don't know just imagine it and just try it yeah yeah who cares don't get stuck with the boy beta (laughs) 
Yeah, don't get stuck with boy beta because I do that all the time and it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I guess just to finish, what are you psyched Mm. for in Australia this season? Yeah, um, I guess I... From last winter, or yeah, last winter, I started trying a climb cord, staring at the sea right before it started getting very steamy and hot. So I'm pretty psyched to go back down there and try and red point it and yeah, just maybe try some longer climbs, I think, start getting that endurance ready for the red towards the end of the year. And I'd like to maybe push my limits with bouldering a bit more as well, maybe head down to Sydney and do some some bouldering and see what I can do um, on that front. But, um, yeah, I think I'm still yet to hone in on, you know, those climbs which really rev my engine, I guess, and, yeah. Sounds like Tiger Cat's the perfect project then. Yeah. Grade 33, really long and pumpy. Yeah, (laughs) as much as I hate to admit it, yes. Good endurance test piece. Exactly, which I definitely struggle with sometimes with my endurance. So, yeah. Mm. that's it who knows mm. well we look forward to talking to you when you get back from the red awesome hopefully with a bucket load of awesome ticks hopefully yeah yeah <laughs> thanks for the chat thanks so much for coming on awesome thanks for listening it's always awesome for me to get to share the psych with another climber girl i hope it got you psyched too to make sure you don't miss an episode subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on the baffle days instagram and tell all your friends catch you next time you